talking drums, creating conversations with the world's top drummers in the most extreme genres. This episode is brought to you by Los Cabos Drumsticks, Canada's number one choice for drumsticks. They provide the wood you need to make the beats you deserve. Los Cabos Drumsticks. Now with your host, Corey Hopping. Hello and welcome to another episode of the We're Talking Drums podcast. I am your host, Corey Hoffing. Welcome. Welcome to episode 77. Uh, If this is your first time listening and or watching, then welcome. You know, if you're on your drive to work, if you are on your drive home, or if you're just hanging out, then thanks for tuning in. If you are listening to this episode early. That's right. You can get all these episodes before they're released to the public. Head on over to our Patreon page. It's patreon.com backslash we're talking drums today. You can sign up for free or it is simply just $2 Canadian uh, a month and it goes to support everything that we do here uh, at We're Talking Drums. So I greatly appreciate it. You get the episodes early and I will be posting pre-episode taping so you can get questions in for some of your favorite drummers. And I'll guarantee it that some of our upcoming episodes are with some pretty heavy hitters and (laughs) pun intended, but you're going to, you're going to want a chance to ask your questions to these guests. Okay. So head on over to the Patreon, sign up today. I love you for it. Thank you in advance. Also goes without saying we're on Instagram. Go give us a follow. Uh, YouTube, subscribe, comment, let me know your thoughts on this week's episode and any other episodes you may have watched. You know, always looking to improve the podcast. Ask uh, the questions that you're looking for answers to. Okay? Uh, If you are listening to this podcast between March 15th and May 4th, then I am on tour. That's right. My band, Lotharo, drops our brand new record, Chasing Euphoria, out via Atomic Fire Records on March 15th, and we are hitting the road immediately. We're doing a big old North American tour with Raven and Vicious Rumors. So check the dates. If I'm coming to your city, let's meet up. Let's hang out. Um, Looking for, you know, any recommendations on good coffee shops, good vegan restaurants, and uh, good drum shops. Uh, I want to check out some some cool local drum shops uh, in local cities that uh, I'll be playing in. Uh, just to uh, check out some gear, you know? It's always fun times checking out all the gear that you can't afford while on tour, you know? (laughs) All right, all right. Uh, This week's episode uh, is with 
the one and only Matthew Kowanowski. All right, he plays for the deathcore band Euclid out of Connecticut. Uh, we had a super fun chat, as always. Uh, this is the the first time we really got to talk. We've been chatting uh, back and forth about doing an episode for a while, so it was awesome to get to sit down with Matt. We talked uh, a lot about like the the recent climate of the music industry and I guess more specifically the metal music industry and how things are going um how small bands can utilize social media and content creation over the idea I guess the old school idea of just touring endlessly and playing to nobody and eventually gaining fans that way um we talked about his time in Shadow of Intent and Oceano. He was uh, the drummer for both those bands for a number of years and the difficulties of playing in multiple touring bands. I know a lot of you drummers out there uh, play in multiple bands and at uh, various levels and it's a good insight into uh, the, the struggles that come with it even though it is a lot of fun, you know, like it uh, does get to be very, very difficult. Uh, And I just want to give, before we get into this episode, I want to give a little warning. When we are talking about Blast Beats, because obviously we talk about Blast Beats, I did make a slip up, okay? I'm not going to tell you exactly what it was, but I want you to find out where I went wrong and let me know in the comments. Okay? I uh, I definitely made a mistake and I realized that after we we're done and uh, I want I want you to tell me where I I went wrong with this one. Okay? All right. Here is my conversation with Matthew Kowanowski from Euclid. Matthew Kowanowski, welcome to the We're Talking Drums podcast. How you doing today, buddy? I'm doing pretty good. That's excellent. Uh, how's the weather where you are? Because you're in Connecticut, uh, right? Yes. Um, it actually decided to randomly snow last night while I was leaving work. So uh, uh, it stopped now. But yeah, we're just kind of getting these random snowstorms it'll be like 50 degrees the day before and then it'll automatically just start doing that so very random very very random yeah it sounds uh, like you guys have like kind of similar weather to us up here i'm just outside of the toronto area in hamilton ontario gotcha yeah and like dude like uh this past week was we got the first actual snowfall so we actually have snow on the ground and it's so strange because it's mid February. And it's <laughs> and like, the fir- first time for for you guys. Yeah, we had we got one snowfall I think in January, um, but like none of it stayed. So gotcha. and then like since then it's been like plus ten, plus twelve degrees here, and this is all Celsius. Oh, wow. So I don't yeah. know what that would be in 
in uh, Fahrenheit. Fahrenheit. Yeah, I'm not sure. <laughs> Probably around like 50 or 55 yeah. or something like that, right? Uh, Somewhere but, around there, I would think. Yeah. So finally, like we're finally getting winter and then apparently this coming week, it's supposed to warm up again. It's just like, dude, what is happening? It does not make any sense at all. Yeah. Do you guys usually get a lot of snow down there? So it's weird. We, um, I think the past couple of years, it's been very, very different where we would go through, um, like the end of fall. So like going into October through November and through December into the next year, we would not get any snow at all at the end of the year when we used to get massive snowstorms around the end of every year. Now what happens is, is these random snowstorms don't start hitting until, you know, around this time, January, February or whatever. Yeah. And it's, and it's weird. Cause like, we're not, you know, we're not, you would think we would know by now to expect it and we're not, you know, we, we just don't. So, I mean, I don't know. It just, the past couple of years have been like that, but it used to be like massive blizzards at the end of every year. So this is just like, I mean, it's, it's great. I don't have to worry about, uh, having a, an issue driving to work every day or anything like that. But, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah it's just, it's crazy. Yeah, man, because even the last couple years, I've just like, and I I grew up in Canada. I grew up with like, Mm -hmm. you know, snow, like four or five months out of the year. And the last couple of years, I've just been like, man, I want to move to Florida. Like, I'm done. (laughs) I'm done with this snow. I'm done with this cold. Like, I just, I just want the heat all year round. Dude, I mean, I could tell you, I, I almost moved to Florida three times over the course of like the past, I don't know, somewhere around 10 years. Oh yeah. And every time that I tried to move there, the plan was thwarted by something, whatever it was. Yeah. But I could tell you right away, like when I was spending a lot of my time there, because I used to be in a band called Dealey Plaza and they were from the Fort Myers area. Um, walking outside and my hands would instantly just start clamming up from the humidity. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I would just want to run right back inside into the AC. I just, I, oh, I hated it. I couldn't stand it. Yeah. It, it got, it was so bad, but I mean, I mean, I, I love, I prefer summer. I love hot, hot weather. You know, if we could have that six months out of the year here, I'd be happy. But yeah, um, yeah Florida can be a little rough with the with the humidity. Yeah, you know? I, like I guess you're right. I don't know why my go-to is always Florida. Maybe because it's still in the same time zone. So I'm just like, yeah. oh yeah, it just makes sense. I'll just head directly south. Realistically, like when I'm on tour and stuff, Arizona is yeah like places with dry heat like yeah. the dry heat yeah i yeah, get it man. arizona That's weather so i'm always excited when i get to like phoenix or something like that mm-hmm. like it's a, it's a good day you know yeah. even if the show's not very good i'm like i don't <laughs> i don't care like i'm doing a workout outside even though i haven't worked out in months i'm like i'm just you know i'm feeling great because of the weather so gotcha yeah. So, 
I guess uh, where you guys are, the winter is kind of a great time to be writing, recording, doing that type of stuff. Because I know here it's like, okay, we're not touring. We're not doing mm-hmm. gigs or anything like that. We're just like, we're just going to live in our studio and write because there's nothing else to do. Like, dude, I, I don't understand bands like touring in January in Canada and shit like that. Like, it's insane out there. Yeah. I mean, we, um, as far as Euclid and I, we have been spending most of the end, you know, from the end of 2023 till now we spent, um, a lot of that time cause we didn't, we didn't want to really go out and try to play too many shows, especially not being able to see what, what the weather was going to do and all that. So we, we spent a lot of our time just, you know, writing and, and putting together some, some, you know, the new material and stuff like that. Um, I think we're sitting on at least five or six new ideas aside from the three songs that we had already, you know, had already written. So it's, um, it's a good time to be productive for sure, you yeah. know? Yeah, definitely. And that's that's great because you guys just released a new album last year, right? Yes. Yep. Uh, Revilement. Yeah. Um, It's, I mean, it's probably been close to, uh, I think it'll be a year in the middle, in the middle of this year, I think already that it's been out. Yeah. And, um, yeah, I mean, it, the reception on it's been pretty good. You know, uh, we've been very surprised with how how everything's been doing, just in a very natural way. You know, it's not mm-hmm. like, um, you know, most new bands they just kind of have to they have to work their way from the bottom, you know, from the ground up, and and building, you know, their foundation from there. And I think in the small amount of time that we have uh, spent, you know, putting all of this together, all the, all the content that went along with it. Um, it's been a pretty, pretty good outcome so far for sure. Yeah. Uh, this, this like kind of like climate that we live in now for bands is so strange. Cause like me growing up and like, I started my first like serious band in 2006 and okay. it was just, known like okay you need to play shows you need to record an album and you need to tour and it doesn't matter like if you have a label or you have anything like that like that's just what you do you book and for us it was like oh we just go across canada you know because visas are expensive and trying to book in the states was not really feasible for us at that Mm -hmm. time so like that's what we did and it was as fun as it was like nowadays it is a lot more feasible for you to grow your audience online like be able to have a fan base and then Mm -hmm. go out and tour you know and you already have a fan base out there rather for us like dude our first canadian tour we were showing up to venues and the venues wouldn't even like know that there was a show booked and we were playing to like just the bar staff 
Like it was just, Oh my God. Yeah. It was just, they, it, it was like small little dive bars everywhere. Like it was an absolute nightmare, and, but we kept wow. doing it every year. We would go back, you know, hit the same venue or the same cities. And, and eventually by, by the time we got to our last one, it was like, okay, all these turnouts are good. We're actually like starting to make money. Uh, right, you know, until we eventually got signed and then got on like legit tours that we didn't have to book ourselves. But given that climate, do you think that like now it is uh, a better idea for bands or like more so like how are you guys approaching this from from the standpoint of like, okay, like you're writing songs, you're recording, you're producing content and then just like making use of social media and, and YouTube to grow your audience until maybe the opportunities come? Uh, or or I guess the flip side of that, are you guys just like so hungry for the road that you were, you'd be willing to like just book your own tours and see what happens? So definitely not hungry for the road. It's just in all, in all honesty, you know? Yeah. Um, all of us work regular jobs. Um, and you know, I know what, what most people would say that, you know, if they had been given the opportunity to go out on the road, um, and, and quit their job, you know, most people would probably be like, yeah, yeah, I would do that. Me, however, it's not really that kind of situation for me. So like, mm -hmm. I, I couldn't do that necessarily, but, um, cause I did, I did it before, uh, I did it, you know, uh, over the, for over the course of five years with Oceano. So, I mean, I was constantly trying to find jobs coming home and, and then quitting, you know, right before a tour, if I even got one, you know, and, and it just, uh, it got to be, it got to be too much. So yeah. I would say, that um, the strategy I would follow or prefer to follow when it comes to, especially when it comes to growing a, a, a band, a new band um, in the most organic way possible um, nowadays, at least is to focus more on the music that you're putting out make sure that you're getting, you know, the good production values and all of that stuff going into it. Um, the, the content. So, you know, your music videos, your, your lyric videos, your, uh, playthroughs, uh, instrument playthroughs, vocal playthroughs, all of that stuff. Um, and then, you know, as well as merch, you know, if you have the funds and stuff to be able to afford that, and, and put, you know, get a, a leg up on, on getting the merch game going and focus on those things, you will see that fan base grow without having to be, I guess you could say, in the trenches of, of going out and touring like constantly just to try to get noticed. I feel like this is the way now to really get grow that foundation faster 
And that way, when you go out and you start playing shows and you see, you, you see a turnout that you, you did not expect, um, you know, it's, it's like, it's a, it's a huge payoff. It really like makes you feel like, okay, like this is, this is progress. Like this is really working, you know? Yeah. Um, back in the day, I mean, I would say, you know, before we had, uh, you know, a lot of this social media stuff where, where all the internet hype and all that stuff was, was important. Um, you know, it was about just going right out there, getting your name out by going out on the road and doing that. And, and it's just, I feel personally that it's just not that way anymore. Yeah, you know, like it's just not, MySpace, not the easiest. MySpace could only get you so far, and it would only yeah. work for certain <laughs> bands, you know. But, yeah. but yeah, like the, it, it's the crazy thing because more and more guys these days are just like, yeah, I don't really want to tour. You know, mm-hmm. like it's not really the thing they strive for. When like growing up, like that is all I wanted to do. And maybe that's, that's, a, that's the dream. Yeah, yeah. Right. But like, it, I mean, it's so hard to be able to make a living on tour unless you, you're the headliner, you know, right. even like support bands, even playing the big crowds and stuff like it's, you're not raking in the money and the amount of money you have to put up front to be able to do a large tour like that is insane. So, yeah. I, I mean, I could say, I don't necessarily want to throw touring like completely under the rug, but mm-hmm. cause like I would love to do specifically like European festival circuits. Yeah. Like oh, that kind best. of thing. Yeah. You know, like that would be, that would be ideal, you know, especially when you get to play with people that, you know, you look up to your heroes, you know, like I feel like, like that's, that's should be, like that would be my dream personally, yeah. you know? Um, it's like, I wouldn't, I wouldn't rule that out at all. Um, but as far as just like, you know, touring the States constantly, um, you know, over and over again, you got to think, you know, those same people that came out to see you that one time you were there and then you're back there the next year, or maybe, maybe not even the next year, maybe like six months six months out from when you were there last. Yeah. Or even two you months know, out. <laughs> right. You know, it could be even relentlessly. Yeah. 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 And you could just only imagine what that would do. Like, Oh, well I just saw them this time. So I'm not going to go this time. Or there's another show that's happening like two days prior to this one. I'm going to go to that one instead. Yeah. So you know, you may see you may see those numbers start to kind of fall down a bit. And for some people, you know, out there, it, it probably could be pretty discouraging to see that. Yeah. I've seen you know? it happen to bands. Mm-hmm. Like where they just tour the same markets too often and A they end up not growing their fan base. Like it just gets to a plateau and that's it. Mm-hmm. And then on the on the other side as well, the people themselves, because we are human, like they end up getting burnt out. And oh, yeah. and members start dropping off. And then you have your band like in shambles 
And you're like, how are we supposed to keep doing this? You know, like when you're touring eight months out of the year and it's like almost seems like it's nonstop. Like you're just going tour to tour to tour to tour. Uh, And you have management and booking agents pushing you to do this because the offers are there. And you don't want to let your team down by saying no. But at the end of the day, like I've witnessed it, like friends of mine, just their bands fall apart and members specifically like just like can't deal with it because it is hard and stressful yeah. out there it's right? a it's a rock and a hard place kind of situation for most too because you got to think some of these people like if they don't have like work from coming home so they also depend on the touring to be their income yeah big time you know so it's just like it's a it's a double-edged sword yeah you know like i yeah. don't know it could be very very stressful and, and, and very discouraging a lot of the time. And I, that's why I, myself, like, especially with this band, you know, our main focus is to do things on our own terms and not have someone tell us what to do per se, but, you know, just, we want this to not only be a business, but it to be, fun and also a commodity that you know if somebody hears this band and see that we're not around or as accessible in in the way of playing shows constantly i feel like they would want to see us more because we're also backing all of that up with the content and the music and whatever it is else that we put out when we don't play yeah you're building you know I mean? the hype and then yeah. you're not over saturating the markets and playing there all the time. And it, if you mm-hmm. come around once a year, you know, like that, like, and over that year, you're like, you're on the socials doing the content, you're building hype around that. Everyone's seeing it and they're going to like, you're going to double your crowds every time you come around, yeah. you know? And a lot of people, like a lot of the old school guys, kind of shit on the idea of not touring and not grinding. And they're like, oh, you have to pay your dues and everything like that. But it's like, man, have you tried to just produce content for like, like a, 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 a on that scale of things? Like it is fucking yeah. hard, man. That is a grind in itself. You know, yeah. like people are just like, oh, you just sit at home, make videos and blah, blah, blah. I was like, dude, try it. It's not, try <laughs> trust it, me, it man. is not that, not that easy. Um, no, you know, man. you have to, oh, you get so in your head about it. Like I, I, for one, as a drummer can be, um, which I'm sure I'm not the only one, uh, you know, I'm, I'm a, I'm a perfectionist and you know, if there's more than, you know, a couple flubs in something that I make, you know, I'm like instantly programmed to think like, damn, like this is shock. Like I gotta, I gotta do it over. Yeah. You know, and one trigger on the double. uh, and I was like, ah, no, we gotta do it again. (laughs) It's the worst, you know, but at the same time, 
I also use it as motivation to push me to be better, you know, mm. to make sure I nail every hit or every note that I possibly can. But at the same time, at the same time, I'm not going to be not human either. You know, I, I have like in the past, especially with my touring career, I was a lot more focused on every show being good every night. Like if it's not good, like I'm going to be, you know, fucking pissed off about it most likely. Yeah. 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 But, um, you know, I learned to kind of just like put that aside, put that away and just be like, you know what, man, like, the whole point of you going on stage and, and seeing that crowd and you playing to them is, is to have fun. That's supposed to be the fun part, you know? So if you make a mistake or something like that, so what? Cause guaranteed if you're, if you're good, if you have a lot of talent and skill and you know, if somebody comes up to you after that show and says, Hey man, I, I checked, I checked you guys out. Like, you were so good. Like that was insane. Great set. That just kind of makes that discouraging feeling that pissed off feeling that you may get from feeling like you didn't do good. That just kind of makes it go away. Yeah. And it makes you feel a whole lot better about it. It does. So, and I always got to like fight my urge. Cause whenever I like know I didn't have a good set and someone comes up and it's just like, dude, that was so amazing. And da da like, you're incredible. And I got to fight that urge to be like, no, I'm not like, and just tell them like, <laughs> no, I fucked this up that like this blast part was off time. Like I dropped four sticks, you know? Um, uh, and you just got to like, accept, like let that positivity in and mm-hmm. help it. And then, cause you can't change the set you had. The only thing no. you can do is maybe realize what you didn't do to prepare properly. And maybe it was just an off day, especially on the yeah. road. You have them like, again, like get it back to it. Like it's tiring. It's a grind I'm playing shows every night, driving, yeah. like I, everything like that. So you have off shows, but just try to accept the positivity from the fans. And yes, like, just absolutely don't beat yourself up about it. Cause at the end of the day too, and it was uh, Dave McIntosh, the, uh, um, I think original drummer of Dragon Force told me years ago, and it still stays with me. It's like, it's not your individual performance that everybody's listening to. It is mm-hmm. the band as a whole. And as long as the entire band came across as like a unit and the songs were played solid yeah overall great they're not gonna notice that one flub you had in that one fill that happened for like half a second like nobody's noticing that so don't beat yourself up about it and just you know always try to perform your best but they're hearing the band as a whole so the band every member together not each individual member so yeah yeah one thing that i've always kind of like thought about whenever i mess up on stage like okay don't beat yourself up about this we're just gonna keep playing the set and not try to fuck up anymore (laughs) yeah i actually used the opportunity to um you know like i'll put my camera out so i could at least you know film some parts of the set 
And even if you did mess up a couple of times, you know, you could still cut clips out of it and use it for, you know, for your content later. If you have to, you know, there's always something that can be salvageable out of that. So, and a lot of the times the parts that you think that you messed up the worst, you rewatch it and you're like, Oh, that wasn't that bad. Yeah. Like that sounded fine. I don't know why I was like beating myself up about it. Definitely. Like, so it's crazy, man. Uh, all right. You know what? Let's, let's dive into some drum stuff. Um, when did you get started playing drums? Oh, I actually love telling this story just because like, I feel like a lot of drummers, um, kind of had their own way about going into it, you know, getting involved in the instrument. Mm -hmm. And I just, I don't know. I love telling this story, but when I was, I was 10 years old and I had moved, um, a couple towns away from where I am right now. And I was just meeting, you know, all of my neighbors and people that had soon become like, you know, best friends of mine growing up. And one of them, uh, his father used to play in a uh, punk band in the eighties. Um, I think they were called the wild hairs or something like that. (laughs) Nice. And uh, it was very, very like, uh, I want to say like very black flagish, like okay. kind of punk. So it, it was, you know, it was pretty solid, you know, but it's a punk band. Like you don't have to be the best band ever. Like it's punk. Like that's kind of the whole point. Yeah. It's more about the attitude behind it. Right. You know, so um, they had they had long since disbanded and the, the father had like a, a bar band where they would play like cover songs of like pop, you know, what was considered pop punk bands of that time, you know, like green day and the offspring and, you know, stuff like that, I guess. And, um, they had the whole like setup in their basement and, and I'll never forget it. It, it was a, it was a black Tama swing star, kit and it had like zildjian symbols all around and uh and i remember just like walking into his house and i saw that drum set and i was just like i want to sit down and play and of course you know the first thing i tried to play was smells like teen spirit because that's just that's like kind of the, I feel of like course. that's kind of like the go-to song for like any drummer who's never played drums in their life to start trying to play. Yeah, and probably yeah. especially around that time too. That song would have yeah. been like pretty big. So you know, yeah, yeah. So I mean, um, and it, I was horrible. I was terrible. Of course, um, yeah. but you think you know, you're didn't... you're doing great because <laughs> yeah. it feels good, right? You so. know, my my buddy's telling me to shut up, like just stop, <laughs> and that it's really bad, and uh, and I just kind of like knew right then and there, like I want a drum set, like so I I got one for Christmas that next year, and it was the same kit, a black Thomas Swingstar, newer, but. I just, I wanted that kit and I would spend 
five to maybe six hours a day. Cause keep in mind, I was only a little kid. So like, I didn't, I didn't have responsibilities or anything like that. So right? like, yeah, I would, you know, it was such a simpler time. I would just spend all of that time down there in that basement, just playing drums. And I would try to learn everything by ear. Um, and I was self-taught to the max. Like I never, I never had a lesson in my life, uh, really. And, um, all of that time of just playing for five, six hours a day, you know, give or take a couple of years later, like that skill started to kind of, kind of show and, and it, and it started to pay off. And I think probably around, uh, I want to say I was in middle school probably seventh grade, I met one of my friends and we decided to form a band. It wasn't really a band. It was just us two. <laughs> and, and we would, we would play our school talent shows, uh, for each year that we, you know, seventh and eighth grade. And it just kind of, just kind of went from there. Like I didn't want to do anything, but just play drums Yeah, at all. And that, that's pretty much it. Yeah. You know, <laughs> that's crazy, man. Like, I, I and I think every drummer kind of knows that first time where they they realize like no like I want to play drums like that's yeah. it like for me I think it was um I played hockey growing up obviously from Canada played hockey yeah. <laughs> we had like a team party and one and the guy's house that was at he had a drum kit in his like living room common area type thing and like they let everyone just like play it for a while you know and yeah. as soon as i played it and i was just like yeah i want to do this you know like i i it just like there's just like this weird feeling that comes over you that you're just like yeah this is yeah. sick you know like i suck i know i suck that's fine though i could do this for hours i could do this all night you know mm -hmm. And, but like, obviously my, uh, my dad was there as well. And he's like, that was so annoying and loud, like, not happening. <laughs> so here's a guitar, <laughs> you know, you can plug headphones into your amp and play all you want. Um, mm -hmm. but I always had it. Like I always had the itch even cause I, I was a huge Blink-22 fan. So Travis yeah. Barker was like the coolest guy he was the coolest kid on the block, you know, like, yeah. and, uh, I always just like, I always wanted to play drums, but never had the chance until, uh, um, one of my bands was like, yeah, we, we need to find a drummer. And I was like, I'll just do it. Yeah. That's it. Like, this is my chance. I'm going to play a drums. <laughs> Hell yeah. yeah. I would say it was probably a uh, Joey Jordison for me. Yeah. Yeah. Big. Uh, definitely. Guy. I, Oh yeah. I, I strived as a kid to make sure that I could play all the songs from Iowa in its entirety. Oh, wow. I, I like, I would practice those songs every day. And, um, you know, it, it's funny because up until now, like I never, I never tried to like, I think I maybe did like one little clip on, on my e kit like a couple years ago of me playing people equal shit and 
Um, you know, I never really like did anything aside from that, like trying to play those songs or do like full, full length covers of them or anything like that. And I probably should. Yeah. But, um, yeah, that, that was my guy. Yeah. And, and it, I was really, you know, un- it was really unfortunate that he passed away. Cause like yeah. I, that was a dream of meeting him and just talking shop about what it was like to, to do what he did and, you know, pretty much be on top of the world at that point in time. You know, I just wanted to hear that, you know, that those stories. Yeah. So, man. It's very, very unfortunate. Yeah. Um, yeah. It, it must've been a, a really, really crazy time. Um, Absolutely. Like, Slipknot at their, their hype was like, like was, was madness, man. Um, yeah. yeah. It took me forever to even see them live. I didn't see them live until 2019 when they came oh. around for not fest with Gojira and behemoth. I did not see them up until that point. I don't know why. I, I think, um, I think as, as time went on, you know, I, I started with new metal when I started playing drums and then probably like 12 or 13, I started getting into cannibal corpse and death metal. And so I think I kind of just like grew out of it a little bit. Yeah. And I just didn't care to go see them or anything like that. And then he passed away and I'm just like, Oh shit. Like I never, I never got to see that, you know? Yeah. So it, it is what it is, but you know, I'm just glad that I was able to catch them, you know, in 2019 when I did, so I could say that I did it finally after yeah. all that time. Yeah, you know? definitely. Like I, I, I've only seen them once. I want to say it was like 2018. I mm. have, I never got into the new metal stuff. Um, yeah. I went like heavy into punk rock and hardcore and post hardcore and all that type of stuff to like, yeah like the like iron maiden judas priest and then into melodic death metal eventually death metal like the the usual progression on that side but it was mm-hmm. really it was like punk rock that got me like into more aggressive and heavy music and like yeah like genre specific music i guess right cuz before that as you're a kid you're like oh whatever's on the radio is cool you know, like, like you're just listening. Yeah. You're still trying to figure out what you actually like. And then, yeah, it wasn't until like high school where I'm like, nah, man, punk rock is sick. And then mm-hmm. it's like, all right. Then my older brother got me into metal and stuff. Uh, so like, I never, I never got into Slipknot. Uh, they put on an, an insane live show though. Oh, for like, sure. Their live show is fucking incredible. So, one of the best there is. Oh I yeah, think. man. Yeah, it's up yeah. there. Like it, it was nuts just to watch. Like music aside, the music's great and everything. Like it is. Uh, yeah. You know, like they they perform well and like all that, but like just like everything about the show, the amount of energy they have, like all of that is just crazy. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, I was I was hoping when you were telling that story, you're like, yeah, and that's why it's an honor for me to say I'm the new drummer of Slipknot. Uh, <laughs> uh, you know, um, 
I just like how that I'm, became you know what? like I'm not that became the news <laughs> the, the news cycle thing though. Like when oh. when when Jay, uh, I guess when they parted ways with him and everything, it was just like every day it was like, oh, this member left. He's the new drummer of Slipknot. Oh, this guy's the new drummer. Like, why are you trying to guess? Just let it let it be. <laughs> I think it's just like it's a it's a revolving door so much. Yeah. That it's just kind of like whatever, you know. Um, I'm not. I'm not gonna say anything, but you know, it's just like I don't know. Like if if it were if 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 I had the opportunity to do it, yeah, probably I'd probably take it. Like who wouldn't, you know? Right. Uh, but at the same time, I don't know. I guess when you um, you hear all the all the drama and all that stuff. You're kind of like, eh, well, you know, I just I I wouldn't want to be like that part of it. Like, I don't I don't want you know. I feel like that's just like I I couldn't I couldn't I couldn't deal with that. Yeah, you know. But in like all the, honesty, the sad part is when you're in a band that size, that kind of just comes with the territory. You it know, does. Like it you, does. You have to put up with the the media and the drama and like all of that type of stuff. It just, yeah, it's a part of it, you know. And it's the yeah. same thing with like people when they, like celebrities and stuff, when they just get famous. They're like, oh, well, I like I I don't want. I never wanted the paparazzi around or anything like that. It's like that's that's part of this whole thing, though. You know. Yeah. With being in a band that size there's such a spotlight on you, you know? And I, everybody says that like, oh, you couldn't turn down that opportunity, but like how many people could actually perform under that pressure, you know? Or That's like, where like I, between, between that and, and like you say, the, just the pressure of being in a band that size, like, I don't know. I don't know if I could do it, you know? Yeah. Um, given the, the music itself, cause it's not easy. It's mm-hmm. not easy at all, you know? Yeah. And, you know, trying to, you know, at the same time, you're also having to try and step into the shoes of the people that were there before you Yeah, and to try to come, you know, you're going to want to compete with that because you kind of have to, in order to solidify your your position. And I, I feel like that would just be way too much pressure. Way too much. You know, it'd be a lot. And like, I, that's why I think like somebody like Slipknot, when they're looking for a new drummer or or anything like that, like, yes, you have to be able to play the stuff, but there's the whole other mental side of things that they need to make sure that this person is prepared for that. You know, right? So I yeah. don't, I don't see them just like taking a YouTube guy and being like, "Oh yeah, come play drums for us." Like I don't see that being a thing. You know, like they're gonna take somebody who's been in the industry a long time. You know, mm-hmm. who's who's played on those massive stages and maybe had the spotlight on them, um, or at least like understands like the the yeah. ins and outs of of the industry in that way, 
you know? Right. Um, so like, I think that's like a, a must for a band that size for them to want to keep somebody around. If they just want some press, then maybe <laughs> like hire, yeah. hire a guy knowing that it'll only be like six months or a year, you know? But yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> it's, uh, it's crazy. It is, man. It's a yeah. It's a crazy fucking world. That I don't know. I this whole like climate of everything in the music industry right now is so so messy. Like it is. I I, I can definitely say that. I don't, I don't know. Maybe like maybe if I didn't know the things that I know now about it, I would say differently. Um, but, you know, seeing how things are the way that they are now, it's very just like you have like, you almost kind of have like an elite few that are like at the top of the food chain as far as bands go. And, you have like the lower tier that everybody's just kind of underneath and they're all just like grinding and, and doing what they can to, um, I don't know, just be relevant in today's climate. And it's just like, like, that's just the way I see it, you know? And, and I'm, I'm not trying to like dog anybody at all by saying that it just kind of like looks like that from what you see, on like the, you know, the publications and stuff like, uh, metal sucks and metal injection and stuff like that. It just kind of like seems that way. And, you know, I just, I don't know. I mean, I try not to pay attention to too much of that stuff. I just want to be, I just want to do my thing. You know, I just want to play drums, make music and just be happy about it. You know, that I'm still doing it after all of this time. Yeah, You know, and I want to still continue to do that, you know, upon, you know, being an old man, <laughs> you know, I want to be like 65 years old, still playing blast beats. Like, Dude. you know, yeah, the extreme drumming can catch up with you. <laughs> in the oh years, yeah I mean, you know, I'm, I'm like, I'm trying to prepare for it as much as I possibly can, yeah. you know? I, I don't want to let myself go to the point where like, I can't play any of that anymore. I still want to try to like, I want to see like what, what age is when that's enough. Like I can't do it anymore. Yeah. Or exactly. push it, push it to that limit, you know? Yeah. Like so. I, I think I did too much damage in my, my younger years with extremely poor technique and everything that I'm starting to feel it now. And like, I've been working as hard as I can to like uh, reteach myself uh, mm-hmm. different techniques and like really focus on that. Cause I'm like, no, I can't, I can't just go and, and play in like some like garage rock band or anything like, no, that's not something I can do. I'll always play drums, right. but I'm like, I still want to tour. I still want to write the most extreme stuff for my bands. Um, mm-hmm. Cause like there's, there's obviously going to be limitations uh, to what you can do to complement the music, but I'm like, I'm still going to push to have 
as much blast beats in our music as possible. You know, <laughs> as as much double kick as I can. Um, no, like, dude, same. <laughs> yeah, it's like, fu- just, it's funny. It's so funny because like my my guys like they'll be you know coming up with some of these new ideas and they'll send them my way, and the first thing that I notice is like no blast beats, no double kick. It's all like groove and stuff, you know, lots yeah. of breakdowns with all that, you know, genty groove stuff. And I'm like, where's the blast beats? Yeah. Where, where's, where, where are they? They're missing. They're gone. They're like, well, not, you know, not a song that you would ne- ne- you know, necessarily have them in. And I'd be like, well, that's bullshit. And I'm going to go ahead and find a way to put them in there. Yeah. <laughs> They're going to be in there whether you like them or not. Yep. Right? Yep. Like, and I'll make it sound sick. Promise. All right? That's, that's that's all that matters. Yeah. So far with the songs that we've had, you know, that I've kind of had that, uh, you know, situation with, it's worked out. It's worked out okay. So yeah, I, think we'll, I think we'll be all right. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah, because also at, at a point, man, it's like, People wouldn't expect blast beats here. So yeah. if you put them in, it's like, ooh. You know, I and mean, if you make it them just, work. It'll flow. Then, it'll flow. As long as it flows, that's all that matters. Yeah, exactly. And you'll catch yeah. people off guard. It'll be cool. You know, like, yep. yeah, people will people will like it. Don't worry about it. All right. <laughs> <laughs> yep. More blast beats. Do you uh do you have a favorite style of blast beat to play? Like uh, bomb blast, uh, traditional blast, uh, diarrhea blast. <laughs> a diarrhea blast? <laughs> Apparently that's a thing. I don't know. <laughs> I don't think I've ever heard that term before. <laughs> yeah, I, I feel <laughs> I like look it's, that up. it's like, a, like a bomb blast. Like uh, eighth notes with the hands on the beat, but then like um, sixteenths and like a brr, brr, like that kind of underneath it. Okay. You know, I think, See, I would, I would, I, I guess so? that makes sense. I would have, if I would have thought, I would have thought it would just been like a, you know, gravity, you know, yeah. uh, hands and feet. If anything, if yeah. I, I would have called it a diarrhea blast, you know, but, uh, <laughs> I, I'll I don't look know. At it. I think it's six, six Samus that, uh, that, uh, came up with that one. So yeah, I can't course. take credit for it. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Um, I would say like from the beginning, it was, it was the, you know, like the Euro style on the, on the ride symbol. Yeah. Um, that was kind of like the main thing. And then I got more comfortable with the, with the Roddy blast. So it would just be like on the ride. Okay. Yeah. I, I love, I don't know. It just, um, I feel like that's just become more comfortable and I mean, it, and it sounds cool. Like it sounds sick. Dude, it sounds so sick. Yeah. yeah, especially at like higher speeds. Like, um, um, Jaden Mason from Aversion's Crown. He's he's yeah. one of those guys, and yeah. and I mean, he's doing it at like top fucking speed. And I just I love that. I think that's sick. And I I try to emulate that as much as I can. But I my left hand, which I'm kind of like trying to work on my technique with it. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not as fast as my right, you know, my right's the dominant hand. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, I think I would, I would say in the past it would be the traditional like Euroblast, but now would be 
more of the Derek Roddy variation of that. Nice. For sure. Yeah. No, I like that. that it, it is kind of just a variation. It's kind of, it's the same same idea as the Euroblast, but you're just accenting on the ride in yeah. a different way, right? I, I think the first yeah. person I really saw like live do it was uh, Eric Marotti, who's playing for Suffocation now. Yeah. Uh, but I was touring with uh, his old band, Colliterous, and just watching him do that, I was like, I need to learn how to do that. Yeah. Cause like the Euroblast was never my thing. It didn't really fit. I never found a way to fit it into the music I was playing at the time. Now I love it. Like it's it it feels so good when you when you're locked in and like you can groove oh, yeah. with it. And then that's when that like um that like bell accents and stuff like that come into play too. It allows yeah. you to have more groove in your blast. For sure. Like just like a traditional like bomb blast or anything, which can be a little more difficult to find groove in because it's supposed to be just punishingly heavy. So most of the time I feel like, you know, with the like with a bomb blast actually specifically, like you gotta have like the right riff for it, you know? But with the Mm -hmm. with like you know, with like the Roddy blast, I would say, like, you know, you can kind of fit that into a lot of things you wouldn't normally be able to take you know, more the traditional style blast beats and just kind of throw them in there. You know, I feel like you could use this a lot more with something that doesn't necessarily seem like the extreme blast beat would fit. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, I mean, watching guys like, like Longstreth, um, (sighs) He is insane. <laughs> he is he's a machine. He is a, he he is is a, a maniac. Yeah. I just, I, watching him every night um, on the Summer Slaughter tour, oh, I'm just like, you know, and, and, he, and he's just doing that, just single note, single note on the ride while he's just keeping that left hand going. And, and I'm just like, what the hell, man? And I, I, I eventually asked him on that tour, like how he did that. And, and he kind of showed me the way a little bit. And, um, and I just like, I don't know how, how he does that. He manages to keep time like that. It's just, he is an expert yeah, for sure. Well, keeping that left hand on the ands, Without yeah. having that guide hand, it's like right. That's what dude, I mean. Dude, it is. It is so difficult. You know. Yeah. 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 A lot of practice, I guess. I guess you're supposed to practice those things. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm supposed know. to practice anything, you know. I, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's uh, it's it's a tough one for sure. Yeah. You know, I, I've been trying to work on it as much as I can, you know, when I think about it. Like, I don't know, when I sit down at the kit, I feel like I just kind of go for what's comfortable to me. And and sometimes it's, you know, it can be, you can kind of get in your head about it too, because you're just like, do I, I'm, I feel like I'm playing the same things every time I sit down at the kit and I want to try something, you know, different. And, um, you know, that's just one of those things. Like, I'll kind of just like, all right, come on, we're getting, 
we're getting ahead of ourselves here. Just playing the same stuff that like we're playing. Let's try something else. And like, I'll, I'll try working on that. Or I'll just sit there and just try to get, you know, try to get my left hand, you know, in tune with my right as much as I possibly can. And, um, and I've also been kind of like looking into the, the push pull. Mm -hmm. And it's so hard. It's so difficult. I, I thought like trying to learn doubles and heel toe was tough, but no push pull. For sure, a whole other beast. But it seems like when you get it, then it's just a, it's just fluid. You're you're just Which there, right? Doubles was like that for me, so maybe I'm just thinking, you know, yeah. overthinking it a bit. Yeah, I feel like that's but. kind of where I'm at with doubles right now too, where I just have to like. There's certain things I need to perfect about it, but it just seems like it's it's it. it that that fluidity in it is uh is starting to like click it's taken me a minute but um like because i was always swivel before but i'm like i can't i can't keep doing this Uh, (laughs) yeah it's so much energy i'm just like ah doubles let's go (laughs) i can learn it right you can you can teach old dogs new tricks yeah i dude i gotta tell you because this is actually a pretty pretty good story um i used to have uh thomas feed cobras and i was constantly just like on youtube just watching as many videos as i possibly could about learning heel toe and the double stroke technique and i just wasn't getting it i was not getting it at all I, I couldn't find any like sweet spot on, on those pedals for me to be able to. And I just, I don't know. I don't know what it was, but I just wasn't getting it. And, um, I got in touch with uh trick over the course of, uh, I think I was on tour with shadow at the time we were on tour with Whitechapel and, uh, black Dahlia murder. And, um, I met, uh, Corey, Corey Sutton, who is, uh, one of the reps over at trick. And he, at the time, um, I didn't, I didn't get pedals from them yet. I was still using the Tamas, but he had hooked me up with a uh, drive shaft to kind of fix some issues I was having with my pedals at the time. And then I finally got a set and I had, I had my pro one V's for, um, I want to say maybe two weeks and I'm trying to get used to them and trying to play singles on them. And I have my settings all maxed out and everything. And I'm like, this is just like, this is bad. Like uh, my singles are the d- direct drive is so much different. Like, oh, I was yeah, not used time. to it at all. Yeah. I was so not used to yeah. it. It takes a while. There's a learning curve for sure. Oh yeah. So we go to Mexico and we were playing with rings of Saturn. It was Oceano and rings of Saturn. And, um, Mike Caputo, who, uh, just recently filled in for job for a cowboy. Uh, he played for brand of sacrifice. He was playing for rings of Saturn at that time. Um, you know, we had our sound check and I get off the stage and we were, we were sharing the kit that night. Yeah. And 
I'm like, dude, I don't, I'm like, just not getting this at all. And he's just like, go up when I'm done sound checking, go up and try mine, try my pedals. Cause he was using the same tricks at that time as well. Yeah. And I went up there after they were done and he's like, all right, so just put your, you know, put the center of your foot at the edge of the, the, the footboard, you know, right at the edge. And you're basically just kind of, kind of like mash your feet in a heel toe motion and instantly got it. Yeah. Instantly started playing doubles right then and there. I'm like, that's all it is. That's, that's all it, it was. That's it. I'm like, man. you gotta be kidding me. I was stressing out, like, you know, throwing shit around my room and stuff, like trying to learn this. And, and that's literally all it took. That that was I it. Could, yeah. Couldn't believe it. Caputo coming <laughs> yeah. to the rescue. Yeah. Like guys should be giving online courses on this oh. shit. Yeah. He's I, a master. I will always I will always give him the credit for, for me learning that, you know, because it was just it was such a crazy thing just for, you know, having just a big issue with it over the years, like trying to learn it and then it took that one instance and that's all it took. Yeah. So, in case go. Mike sees this, thank you. <laughs> <Wow>. <laughs> you know, Mike. Mike uh, has been on the pod before, and I know he does uh, listen often. So, hell yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll make sure. Uh, shout out to Mike Caputo. All right, yes, Legend. absolutely, yeah. Um, so, I just want to touch on one thing. I know we uh, we got to wrap this up, but one thing that everybody always talks about is how drummers play in a million different bands. And <laughs> you kind of just touched on the fact that you're, you're touring with shadow of intent. And then the next second you're on tour with Oceano, like how difficult is it to play for not only two bands, but two bands of that like level of touring? you know, playing for Shadow of Intent and Oceano at the same time. I know it wasn't like for a decade long or anything, you know, right. but it was, there was a moment where you you were playing for both and touring with both bands. Yes. Like how stressful is that if, in your position to make that work? Me personally, it was very stressful. Um, you know, I'm, I'm with neither, neither of those bands anymore. And, um, obviously, and, um, you know, I gotta, I gotta give it up to Bryce for, for being able to handle that kind of workload because I personally could not do it. It just got to be, it got to be so much pressure. And, and I think at the end of the day, what I was trying to kind of decide was what was going to work out for me better in the long run. And, um, you know, and I, I'm, you know, I don't know what that, what that meant at the time. I, I still don't, to be honest with you, but, you know, I just, I had to pick and I had to choose and I had to choose wisely. Yeah. And, um, you know, and that's just what it came down to. And, uh, yeah, I just it it was very hard for me. It was very hard for me to try to try to juggle both. Um, you know, both had 
uh, touring con, you know, conflicts and stuff like that. Um, we actually did chaos and carnage, uh, together. And I thought at the time that I was actually going to do double duty for it. Like I was, I was honestly, I was prepared for that. Yeah. I, I did. I wasn't, you know, uh, looking back on it now, I'm kind of glad that I didn't do that. But, um, you know, at this, at that time, like I was, I was more than prepared to, to play twice. And, um, but it didn't, it didn't work out. Didn't happen. So they had Anthony Barone fill in for me at the time. And then he ended up becoming their drummer. And then, and then Anthony Barone went off, um, and did beneath the massacre and amongst other amazing things that he's been doing many, many Um, other things. Yeah. And then they got Bryce and then Bryce is literally just like, (sighs) if I could, if I could compare Bryce to something, it would be like a Swiss army knife. Okay. He, he just like, he, he's got all the tools to be in as many bands as humanly possible and just makes it work. Yeah. And, and it's just, uh, it's just crazy. It's just crazy to me. You know, I, I love that man. <laughs> you know, yeah. I do. He's, Big shout he's out good, to Bryce Butler guy. now. Yeah. Uh, oh yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So Bryce is, he's, he's the best man. And he just like brings such a, a great energy, like his drumming aside, like just yeah. him as an individual, you know, like I, I want to somehow tour with shadow just so I can, like be around him every day, you know, because oh, his energy his, is just like infectious. It's man. infectious. It's very yeah. infectious. You know, I mean, I have never seen somebody so happy playing the meanest music, <laughs> you know, all <laughs> while playing right. it. I just, I've never seen that before in a drummer. And I think that's, you know, that's kind of like that positive energy that he has. It sets himself apart from a yeah. lot from a lot of people and and i just oh i love i love that i think it's great absolutely yeah, yeah. yeah. and sometimes that that is kind of like what it takes is just having that that like positive energy that positive attitude that you know like uh, the way that you carry yourself can yeah. get you those you know opportunities or into those places you know as long as you can back it up by being a sick drummer or musician in any as long as you're not a bass player then you know because <laughs> we don't like bass players around here and they're not allowed oh to God. listen so yeah oh i see i i love mine bass player uh, zach i love him he is okay he is actually an amazing he's an amazing bass player i mean just like i actually I don't pay attention to much of that. I I really don't pay attention to much of anything because I'm, you know, I'm behind my kit, but, um, watching him, man, like it's, he's, he's a rare breed. You know, I just, I don't know. Like he's one of those that it's just interesting to watch. I'm just like, how does he do that? You know, those are rare. So So, very rare. Very rare. Keep him around. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) absolutely man yeah he's great sick man all right well uh we should wrap this up uh we're about like an hour in here um 
everybody go check out Matt's band, uh, Euclid. Uh, do you guys have any shows or anything coming up uh, that you want to toss out there? So we do have um, we do have a show April thirteenth uh, at the Webster in Hartford um, awesome. with Dream Wake and Night Rider. It's uh, Dream Wake's Spring Fling show. They throw this annual Spring Fling show every year. Um, so that's going to be, that's going to be kind of, that'll be cool. You know, um, very mixed bill. So a lot of, a lot of different styles of music or different styles of, uh, you know, different genres and stuff like that. Uh, so that's going to be, that's going to be kind of cool. Uh, we have some more that I can't necessarily talk about at the moment, but we do have, um, some more shows lined up and we have lots of content and new music and um yeah just staying on that grind yeah so, so make sure you go go follow them on the instagram youtube all the links to their socials will be down there as well as matt's personal ones so make sure you go and follow them stay in tune cuz uh these guys are absolutely sick and uh i i see a lot of big things coming for you guys in the next little bit, for sure. Thank you, man. Just the way you guys it. have been going, the grind that you're on, you know, like, yeah, I could definitely see you guys blowing up in the near future, so. Thank you, man. We're doing yeah. our very best, you know. Hell yeah. Well, you guys already have a great following going, uh, and I just see it getting uh, bigger and bigger, so. Yeah, man. Thank I you. appreciate you coming on and chatting with me today, brother. So it's great uh, to get a face-to-face conversation and hopefully we will meet uh, in person one day soon. Awesome. Yeah, Sounds man. good, man. Absolutely. Thanks for listening to the We're Talking Drums podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to share with your friends and check out our Patreon for exclusive content and early episodes. Till next time, keep drumming.